Podcast ain't played. Nobody. Bill and Godfrey here. Godfrey, what are your thoughts on the Republican National Convention? Oh, God, really? Um, I haven't seen a single shred of political coverage. If you, if you want to avoid politics altogether, I think you should cover college football because the way the conventions go and the way the, uh, the general election and all that, I, I have been away from home for like nine days now doing college football things, and I wake up every day and look at Twitter and don't understand the jokes, <laughs> which is really not a bad way to be. No, no, it's, it's in the moment it feels weird, like, oh, God, I missed something. I'll, I'll never catch up now. But then you realize, oh, you know, those jokes will die in about three hours, and then the next round of jokes will start, and it's all, you just miss a cycle, and then everything's fine. Uh, probably the most controversial meme going in my life right now is that I've noticed the, the hashtag talk about... Uh, question structure is on the decline. I'm, I'm happy to report that the talk yeah. about is on the decline. Although, when I hear it at all the different media events that I've been going to, people don't seem to want to shame it quite the way I do. So, that makes me worry that it's become acceptable, which is terrible. Well, I don't know. I think Twitter shaming probably had a role in its decline. So, everybody's too... You don't need to shame it anymore. They're afraid of it, of being shamed, and that's enough. Once you have the fear established, everything is okay. Still ridiculously lazy way to ask a question. Absolutely awful. Um, Bill, you are in uh, Missouri still, and I am... For a few more days, I'm still in Missouri. I am somewhere in, uh, let's just say, how about we just say Texas? How about that? Um, So I'm somewhere in Texas. Um, So yeah, welcome to Podcasting Play Nobody. Um, This is our fabulous marriage of uh, numbers and words. Um... Uh, I have been living in a hotel for the past, I don't know, while in various cities. Um, I just wrapped up the Big 12 Media Days uh, yes, uh, two nights ago, yesterday morning, I guess you could say I left Dallas, and then uh, before that I was at the Pac-12 Media event. Um, so the TLDR on the Big 12 event, Bill, was Baylor, 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 Baylor. Hey, look over here, expansion. We got to go, bye. That was basically how it went. They had a really awful opening press conference on Monday morning with Bob Bowlesby, and um, there were about 45 of us that just stood outside after his press conference in, like, the atrium of this hotel and just kind of verbally whooped him, uh, like an old country spanking. Uh, And then there was a super awkward press conference with uh, the new athletic director, Mac Rhodes, who you are obviously somewhat familiar with. Yep. And then the whole thing wrapped up with a teleconference from the board of directors of the Big 12 saying, uh, we think we're cool with Baylor. We're probably cool with Baylor, so stop talking about expulsion. Oh, by the way, we're going to let Paul Bowlesby choose new teams for our, for our conference. Yeah, and really, then, they should have just, had that expansion thing uh, queued up from the start. Let's just misdirect from Baylor from the opening sentence that Bob Bowlesby says in uh, Big 12 media days. But it's, it seemed like you know they said the ACC Network's announcement – Kind of uh, had an impact on on um, on on their their decision making on whether to expand or not. Which, first of all, of course, it's going to be some massively short term announcement that makes them commit to this. That's that's the big twelve. I day. think yeah, and I think a lot of that is a smokescreen as well. So the board of directors meeting was was ostensibly for the Baylor stuff. Um, my question is, why not have a board of directors meeting that isn't during the end of your media event, just yeah. for what you said, to where. You could maybe all decide what the hell it is you're going to say about this really awful, controversial topic involving a member institution, and then uh, 
you know, have some sort of address or pre-written thing and say, hey, this is what the conference membership has decided about Baylor or not decided or whatever, and then say, hey, guess what, guys, expansion! <laughs> exactly. Uh, because that's a, the big, dumb, sort of puppy dog, fun topic that, w- that we, we bat around in, in the media. But they did that at the very, very, very end of the event on a teleconference. So super weird, terribly managed. Um, most of the programs and teams and stories were completely overshadowed by Baylor. Um, I'm in the process of writing a, uh, it really is no other word for it, Bill, an explainer on how to, if you are a Baylor fan or if you're not a Baylor fan, to try and understand what will and won't happen with the Pepper Hamilton report. Um, I'm getting a legal education I never really wanted. Uh, it's, it's really intricate and it's crappy. It doesn't have a ton to do with college football, but... Uh, that's going to go up, I think, next week maybe, and then maybe we'll all just move on with our Baylor-related college football lives. Um, in fact, let's just go ahead and talk about the expansion. How about that? How about we, how about we not wallow uh, in what is absolutely one of the most awful things I've ever seen in terms of institutional uh, oversight, and let's just go with, hey, do you think Cincinnati's going to make it? Oh, man, it is funny. Like way back uh, in the last round of discussion about this, way back in in May, um, we we kind of established what I think was was the ma- the major issue. Well, the, the major issue, the major strength, the major weakness, the major everything for this expansion, and that is that there are like nine candidates that are exactly the same, or really close to exactly the same. Um, so I, I think I'm telling the party line here. Just pick somebody. I don't care. I, I do think Cincinnati's first in line. Um, if you're going, unless logistics are an absolute nightmare, I would say BYU is probably second in line, though logistics could be an absolute nightmare. Um, I felt the, the saddest thing about the, this week was the Bill Snyder saying two former Big 12 teams want back in. I mean, we're, we all agreed that that was pretty much, that has to be Colorado and then uh, the Nebraska people that Bill Snyder talks to. Um, yeah, that was like, that was so low-key in the middle of all this mess as we're all looking forward. And then if if that is true... It's not. It's I know, it, it, it's definitely... It, I don't want to speak ill of Bill Snyder, but that was a man misconstruing maybe a casual sentiment uh, from probably a colleague or someone he knows at a particular school. Um, I'm sure people have second thoughts and frustrations about realignment. And obviously we've talked about how, I mean, I, I think Nebraska is the biggest loser in realignment. I mean, post, post LHN realignment, but, uh, I don't think they want to go back to the big 12. I don't think that that gives them anything whatsoever. You know, there was a reason they left in the first place. And, and I think all the reasons for them leaving the big 12 are still very real. I couldn't think of a. I couldn't think of anything that's fundamentally changed in that conference for Nebraska. And, and honestly, I don't. I, I can't view Nebraska as a big loser here. Maybe not a big winner. Maybe the, the smallest winner. <laughs> Although Colorado probably challenges that too. But I, I mean, there's a difference between being super happy with where you're at and regretting anything that a decision you might have made six years ago. I, I don't think they actually regret it. I don't think that's. Uh, this it's so much ridiculous drama. <clears throat> every time Bob Bowlesby opens his mouth, every time David Boren opens his mouth, everybody who left is reminded why they left. I think that if, not that there needs to be a biggest loser, but if if there's a situation in which Colorado State was somehow expanded into the Big Twelve or even the Pac Twelve, since we'll, we'll get and we'll get to the incredibly well timed evil news <laughs> leak of Houston in a second, but. Uh, if, if Colorado State were to move up 
and and have a more um, cohesive football pro- program and product over the next five years, I think it really it just continues to hurt Colorado. Yeah. So here's my question for you. Um, okay. Let's let's say let's let's take Bill Snyder at his word and, and, and forget Nebraska. Let's say that Colorado legitimately shows interest in rejoining the Big Twelve. If you're the Big Twelve, do you take Colorado or do you take Colorado State? Because mm. I, because I mean, a their enrollment is almost, is basically equal. I had no idea until those Colorado State uh, rumors popped up a few months ago. You know, like three rounds of Big Twelve expansion talk ago, like back in March. Um, I, I I had no idea that that they really are equal from an enrollment standpoint. From a football standpoint, it's uh, you know, gr- the, granted those games are pretty close in. Um, week one every year for the most part but let me dig up a text message actually because this came up to uh the night uh tuesday night after the the announcement that they would they would look into expansion so i was talking to someone who who is uh in the athletic department of another school that is i don't know you say widely talked about or you know considered to be one of these groups of expansion candidates and I, I kept, I went back to, I was like, why, like, why do we continue? He, this person mentioned Colorado State. I said, why do we keep hearing about Colorado State? And he said, uh, more of an upside than people realize. Uh, uh, everything I know is they've made great presentations. A lot of growth potential there. Now, that's pretty vague. And, again, I was exchanging text messages with someone. But there seems to be a, a general consensus that when they've had a chance to, I guess, present to the Big 12, yeah. the Pac-12, whoever, They've, they've done a really good job, and they're obviously providing something. They are, for what it's worth, relatively close to the, to the Denver market. Um, Fort, Tol- Fort Collins is an awesome town. I mean, it's more of a traditional college town than, than most of these metro schools that are being considered for expansion, like Cincinnati or Houston or Memphis. But, uh, you know, it, it reminds me very much of an SEC town, I mean, or, or a uh, you know, Midwest Big Ten town. So... You know, but like, but cooler than that, nicer than that, because it's in Colorado and has like, you know, nice beer and stuff. But um, I, 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 I wouldn't write a story tomorrow, Bill, that says uh, people say they put on a good presentation. Like you're not, you're you're not drafting a, a PowerPoint program into your conference. So I mean, the Big Twelve. Yeah, I mean, their their judgment criteria really could be uh, different than reality suggested should be. The the, the phraseology that Bullsby used in the, in the rhetoric of like what they were looking for to me, it is Cincinnati. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I do think they're the, the safest bet at this. I point. think Cincinnati is the one school that because they were the closest on the cutoff for ACC expansion, and because they were the the school that was that never really stopped trying, um, even when everyone said, "Hey, we're standing tight, we're good." Cincinnati was the school that that uh, and man, I I wonder if I still have it on this computer that I'm recording on. They had a bunch of expansion, I guess, presentation materials or something you could call it. I think I finally got rid of it. Um, they've updated Nippert Stadium. They have the opportunity and the option to go down to Paul Brown, which is about three miles away. Right. Maybe four miles. Um, and if you're in Cincinnati and that's wrong, please let me know, and I'm sure you will. Uh, for If a larger team like Oklahoma or Texas comes in, they could easily use that stadium. They, have, they used it for an entire season two years ago while they were um, renovating their home stadium. So right. they have as much as you'd want, um, good basketball presence. And then the biggest thing is they have a stronger fan base than most people realize. Their academics are stronger than, than some of the other city schools. We, you know, City school is a very nebulous term. But if you compared them against Memphis, it, it really is no comparison. They have a 
one of the most, I think, prestigious architectural schools in America. They have a music conservatory that's considered, like, world-renowned. They are not your traditional, like, commuter urban campus um, of people that are either going in for, like, degree completion. They don't have that university community. And then the most important thing for the Big 12, let's cut, let's cut the, the, the crap, it's that they are in the Ohio market. And I think this is the Big 12 finally realizing that they need to go out and do what other conferences have done. They need to kind of give the Big 10 a dose of its own medicine. You know, the Big 10 expanded specifically because of markets and because of exposure. And if they can put Texas and Oklahoma and TCU in, in Ohio, you know, in that television market a couple times a year, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and and by the way, I would absolutely, they said they were weighing, you know, 12 or 14 teams. I would absolutely uh, expand four teams. This is kind of a quantity over Why is that? Thing. I, well, I mean, I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I was, why, why are you so adamant on four? You know, to me, it's it's quantity versus quality. There, If there were a clear standout choice, Cincinnati's probably as close as it comes to being a standout easy choice, but they're not so much of a standout easy choice that they're already in the Big 12. Uh, Big 12 okay. has been talking about expansion for five years, and it hasn't happened. So they're not just, you know, just, you know, completely and totally in love with Cincinnati. So, but I mean, to me, you know, the, you turn the, the strength, you, you turn this into a strength, the fact that there are no clear standouts. There are a lot of good candidates. And so if you're not going to hit a home run, you might as well hit a bunch of singles or doubles. And, you know, you have a lot of options here, whether it's expanding East and trying to get Cincinnati and Memphis and UConn and, and then maybe, I guess, probably Houston would make the most sense in that kind of scenario. Or you go East and West. You go Cincinnati and, and a UConn or a Memphis. Then you go for BYU and maybe a Colorado State or Houston, obviously. Houston, to me, I understand, like, you know, they were really good at football last year. Therefore, they're, they're a very obvious candidate. But I just don't see the purpose of adding another Texas team, honestly. No, and I don't. I just don't see how having talked to so many people involved with with TCU and and the the last I don't know. Do you call it expansion when you lose members? But like revamp the the ten team revamping that added TCU. I just I really, Bill. I just don't see how they they're going to allow another school to come in and take some of the Texas market away. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. It, it, from a quality standpoint, from an upside standpoint, it, of course it makes sense. There's. Uh, there is a lot of that, and, and uh, you know, Houston w- will go, will do whatever the Big 12 demands to get into the Big 12. Yes. Um, among other things, it would allow them at least a slight chance of keeping Tom Herman. Um, all, all new Big 12 revenue goes to Tom Herman's salary, but um, but I just from I, I it just doesn't make any sense to me. Which means they'll probably do it. They'll probably add Colorado State and Houston and call it a day. But um, no, I, I think I think it, the list really is, um, the, you know, and I'm working on this right now and 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 have been and I'm in sort of a transition point with what we're going to report, hopefully. But um, I think the list, if you start a list, Cincinnati's at the top of the list. Um, I don't I, I really have no insight right now on and I don't let, let me say this. I don't have any insight right now on if it's two or four. And I'm pretty sure having talked to some people that the Big 12 does not has not locked it down. That's why they said two or four. I think they're going to go and have a re-auditioning process for the schools that we know that contacted them, the BYU, Colorado State, Cincinnati, Houston. And then I think they're going to expand the the pool of candidates. And I think they're going to go back and figure out, are there two quality candidates here? Are there three? Imagine by whatever, like, metrics they use, Bill, if they decide that there are three schools they really want, well, that means they kind of have to take a fourth. Yeah. 
and that's when it gets really interesting. So the mention, uh, I mean, the mention of a football-only membership uh, from the people I've talked to, everyone wants to immediately say, "Oh, well, that's BYU." Yes, probably, possibly, but, but, also but it's UConn. also it's also UConn, and people. Yeah. And I, I had it explained to me by someone um, who is is on uh, who's in the industry. Sorry, I'm kind of operating in real time here. Um, uh, someone explained to me very, very cleanly yesterday that um, nobody in the Big 12 is desperate enough to have to want to send the women's softball team and, right. and track and everything all the way to Connecticut. It just makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, no, and I, I kind of like that idea, too. It, it also reminds me of an idea, like, back in the 20, back in the first and second season of expansion of Palooza, back when it was a kind of a fresher show. Now they're kind of, you know... Now, now we're to like the sixth season, and they've kind of run out of ideas. But uh, <laughs> back in like I think it was the first season, we at Rocket Nation we talked a lot. We were trying to we well we were trying to get creative, uh, and one of the ideas I had was kind of football only membership matched with basketball only membership. Where yeah, maybe you do the football thing, but then also for basketball, you go to sixteen teams. You had Butler and Creighton, and a lot of really good basketball schools that either don't have football or have you know FCS football. Like there, I I, I think. The Big 12 has an opportunity here in its lack of opportunity. There, there, are not going to, there are not any power names that are going to consider you. Not Nebraska or, or probably Colorado or whatever else. But you can get creative and you've got options and you've still got markets to be tapped in different ways. And, um, you know, it's clear from the fact that they can't even – they've tried for six years to agree to expand by two. Um, it's clear that they're not in that frame of mind. They, they can get really creative and they're just not going to. And I'm not simply talking about my expand to, to 24 teams idea, which I still think would, I still declare would be a, a rousing success. I don't think there's as much stigma involved with being a football only school anymore. No. Um, I mean, Notre Dame has kind of sneakily achieved this really bizarre cherry picking situation with the ACC. Uh, I think BYU at this point would 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 really prefer it because it it lets them preserve um, their their policies and their their customs as far as Sundays go, as far as um, flexibility for the other sports. Um, right. I think that's I think that it probably isn't the best thing for BYU basketball, but that's a concession that they would be willing to make. Um, if I had to rate. Um, the schools that have been the most aggressive or desperate or just, you know, incessant, it really would be Cincinnati and BYU throughout this. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I, I would say it's very, very hard to have a conversation where, where Cincinnati is not number one and then BYU is at least not on the list. Um, so then there's Houston, Bill, and uh, in between uh, after Pac-12 media days, which feels like a lifetime ago for me, and, and in terms of news content and stupid things and you know, like little kind of little media, you know, manna that we feed off of. Like there was the big, the, 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 the Pac-12 just feels like a, the event feels such like a, an afterthought. There was so little that actually went on. Yeah. Um, I, I guess Larry Scott's a little, still got a little, you know, touch of evil in him. Um, there's a, so the leak comes out that um, Hunter Juracek at Houston, the athletic director, went to visit with Larry Scott, and one of the one of the topics was expansion. Yeah. Now suddenly, let's take Houston, and wow, Houston in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 in Texas. Uh, we know that the Pac-12 wanted to be in Texas um, at the beginning of this. What do we, what do we? How do we frame this up historically? Is this realignment 
two? Is that what, like are we going by like a world war numbering system? Help me here. Are you talking just, about the twenty tens as opposed to like the early nineties? Right, like like the twenty tens that that like where LHN caused the seismic split, like Nebraska leaves. That's sort of like the arch the archduke being shot, and then everything else happens. So, do we have a name for that? Like a like a single oh, noun. Yeah, I mean, we've been calling it expansion, expansion of Palooza, but that is, it is the second round of that. The 90s were the, were the original. The 90s were uh, okay. the, th- the throwback. They, this is, yeah, it's 2.0 right now. It's gone a lot further and gotten a lot Expansion weirder. 2? Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing. Are we at the end of Expansion 2, or would this mark Expansion 3? No, I'd say this still counts as 2. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Settling with uh, all the other reorganization when things kind of – when a new conference forms or one of the power conference is um, you know, eradicated, that's when uh, I think round three starts. Right now we're still well, kind of the death stages of round two. The strange thing is we're still – any action that Big 12 makes is a reverberation of what happened way back in, in 2009 and 2010. Like, but not the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has a product. They, 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 are, they have something that they – for, for anything the Pac-12 lacks, it's not because of the member institutions. I think everyone yeah. would agree. They, I thought they were very sharp in, in the schools that they put together in realignment. Colorado made a ton of sense. Utah made a ton of sense. Like, everything looks good for the Pac-12. And then, oh, yeah, Texas. So if you don't remember, Texas, the University of Texas, flirts. I, I really wouldn't even say flirting. I mean, they were sort of headed down the altar with, with the Pac-10. Um, for a much, much larger expansion that to this day, you know, the rumors were that they would go to 16, they would pilfer, you know, a good chunk of the Big Ten, or I'm sorry, Big 12, and take it with them. You know, A&M was in that conversation. Um, it, depend, it depends on which uh, historical document you go to, you know, like the, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the uh, Tex-Ags documentary? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that, that has a version of a story, and then, you know, there's the Texas version of a story. But for purposes of this podcast, Texas was headed down the aisle with the Pac-12, then the Pac-10 to possibly create a Pac-16. It didn't happen. Um, obviously, Larry Scott understands the power and the markets that are in Texas. Does Houston give you that kind of presence? No, I don't think so, but I think it's better than claiming Rutgers in New York. And I think it's better than claiming yeah. it's better than claiming Maryland in the DC market. Right. I mean, if, if the Big Twelve, I mean, the Pac twelve at this point is stuck geographically. Like, the, how do you expand if you're the Pac twelve? You go to like Montana, or you go to Japan, or you go to Texas. That, that's pretty much those are the only choices left. And uh, you know, yeah, Hawaii. Sorry, Hawaii. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. The question is whether whether you need the University of Texas to make that all worth it. Or whether you can creep into that market by taking Houston, and of course, if you go down the internet road, you'll hear like TCU's, you know, willing or or whatever. Um, but I mean, that's in the list of options. That's one of the few ones Larry Scott has, and I don't really think it's viable. But maybe it is. Maybe if that if that gets you on Direct TV, uh, then maybe that alone makes it uh, worthwhile. And and Houston, I, I mean, again, I. I, I I feel like my job on the show is to always talk down about Houston. It's, it is not the University of Texas, uh, but clearly from, from a geography standpoint and a potential commitment standpoint, it can still be really strong in, in, in quite a few sports. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, you know, it's not Stanford, but it's, not, it's, it's fine academically. 
So, I mean, I, that, that brings to mind another point. Would Stanford actually agree to such a thing? Um, I'm not completely sure that's the case. Although, then again, I mean, nothing against Arizona schools, but Arizona, Arizona State aren't Stanford either. So, I think that, uh, yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. Um, I think they would. I think that uh, the presidents have more power than the athletic directors in, in the current Pac-12 structure, the way Larry Scott has it. And I think that preservation um, and, and being proactive in that preservation is, is uh, you know, really foremost in their mind. Um, buried in all of this back in that non-newsy Pac-12 event was the announcement that they're going to try and expand to new media platforms. Now, obviously biases are pretty obvious here we work for a new media platform they're not they're not putting football games on SB Nation but they're yet but they're uh, they are putting content out specifically through platforms like Twitter like Facebook like uh, I think they're they, they had mentioned obviously you can't do any kind of like game broadcasting from like a Snapchat module but they are attempting things like that that's interesting because they own more of their stuff than anybody else does because of the problem that they're in which is that they have a network that no other TV partner wants to buy and show. Not, no, not none other. Like, they just got Fios. They just announced that they, they got another one. It's just that they've had a huge problem with DirecTV, mainly. Yeah. Which is a pretty big problem to have because yeah. that's like every sports bar in the United States. So it will be interesting to see how they shift moving forward. You know, a lot of the, like, kind of armchair quarterbacking that goes on at these media days events is that after hours people in the media they haven't seen each other in a while people on the administrative or SID side we all just kind of sit around and, and kind of you know it, it's it's like fantasy role playing I mean seriously it's just like football LARPing where I guess it's more AD LARPing where we talk about you know which is the first which is the first conference that, that you know you pay nine ninety nine a month for and you have an app on your phone, and then you essentially Netflix its content. And right, right now, that would be the Pac-12 in a couple of years if it's able to work out. You know, it, they, they just re-signed agreements for some of their content with Fox and ESPN, so this, that isn't a completely clean line. But um, I don't know. I'm just... I, did anybody expect the ACC to get that much money? Did anybody expect ESPN to come back over the top and just everything about ESPN right now says they're just going to become a almost like a Netflix or Hulu style right. app for live content. Uh, most of it's going to be college. Yeah. Um, they seem to be shifting away from the news and original content business, or, or if when they when they have that stuff like the like the OJ documentary it's from an outside company and then they just pay to have it like, like they would for any other sports content. Um, all of this is super interesting because I know it has nothing to do with football per se. It is the core reason why if you're a Cincinnati fan or if you're a Houston fan or if you're just like a fan of a school in the Big 12 and you're like, God, are we going to have to go to like play games at Memphis? This is all why. It's all sort of tied together. Um, I don't know if they take Houston. I don't know if this whole thing was a stunt. If it was a stunt, I think it's hilarious. Just because it's such a, it's such a like, pro-wrestling heel move to do this during Big 12 media days. Um, I, I can't really offer at this, at this moment, I can't really offer any more insight than that. Um, yeah, I still, I kind of figured there was a, a, you know, a good amount of, hey, Big 12, we're not going to wait around. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's, it's, it's beneficial for programs like Houston. It is. Um, and, and this is the Big 12. They freaked out about the ACC network, so it could work. It's probably worth trying. Got to say, I think my favorite so far since Bullsby and since the board of directors acknowledged that the, that the uh, you know, 
the 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 neon open sign was on was lit it lit uh, I think my favorite one so far was was New Heisel on was it Sirius saying that UCLA should leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12. That's been I, my I favorite. That's that's the dumbest thing I've heard so far. I've said this in our Slack room last night, but that's the kind of crazy I want. I don't want pre-programmed talking point. People will get mad if I say this crazy that we see on, well, ESPN and a lot of places, Fox Sports mostly. I want legitimate, I don't know what's about to come out of my mouth crazy. And, and Rick Neuheisel provides that, and I appreciate it. Uh, I, I don't think anything has touched that level of stupid yet. But, I mean, you know, it's early. There's, there's still plenty of time for something dumb to happen. Um, so, also, um, people have asked, like, well, why not go get Florida State? Um, the grant of rights that's locked in on the ACC now. Yeah, that's over. Like, you, no one is leaving the If you're in the ACC, you're, you're not going anywhere else. And yeah, then, yeah. They had a potential window of opportunity in like 2012 when Florida State was kind of openly uh, grumping about uh, you know the, the the well the kind of the state of the conference so to speak and, and the football state of the conference. There there seemed to be at least a chance where you know maybe you go contact Florida State and Clemson and see if you can do something big. That window closed like two months later and it's not reopening. Uh, it's just not. That's over. And so if whatever the Big 12 does, I just don't. I cannot imagine that there's a home run on the table here. Because even, like, Colorado-Nebraska, that's that, that would be, uh, from a PR standpoint, that'd be great. They regretted it. They came back. But that would still, from a quality standpoint, I mean, you're not adding 95 Nebraska right now. So it, it would still, you know, only be so much of a move. So, you again, that's why I say quantity over quality, baby. Um, we would be – this is all, this almost kind of feels like a breaking news edition of, of podcast Ain't Played Nobody, what with the combination of everything happening this week and then me being on the road. Uh, we're going to punt on uh, box score this week only because we're going to be slightly abbreviated. I have an interview with a source uh, specifically about all this stuff coming up, actually several sources today. Um, uh, and so I've got to kind of go and do my reporter thing. But uh, we would be remiss, Bill, if we didn't take this, this opportunity to take this large national news item and then talk about stuff like the Sun Belt. Because and and really the AAC because this is I mean this is who's going to be affected the most. Yep. So our friend Matt Brown, uh, in the happiest tweet I've ever I've just ever little seen, for, on Tuesday night, basically he said, "Hang in there, New Mexico State. <laughs> Hang in there, school that wants to join the FBS. Hang in there, all you little guys, because as we know, realignment causes a trickle down, or I guess yep. a trickle up, you would say." So not only, obviously, does this affect the Big 12 or maybe the Pac-12, what does the American Athletic Conference do? And then in turn, if there's a, if there's a traditional you know, one-for-one pilfering down the line, um, what does the Sun Belt do? What does Conference USA do? And then at the end of this, Bill, do you think in any way, shape, or form, let's just say that, let's say that four, three, three AAC schools and BYU are, are taken. To the Big 12, okay? Three AAC and BYU. Okay, got it. All right. So here's the AAC again, and, they, and they've, been, they've been raided. And they're top-line stuff, like Cincinnati, Houston, I don't know, let's say, like, Central Florida, I don't care, whatever. At this point, do you just not give up, but do you go to the CUSA, or do you go maybe to the Mountain West, and you say, guys, we're stronger together. Yeah. And we, and, and we just create a mega, mecca 
rotational thing instead of trying to stand alone as a conference. Yeah, I, I do not see why you wouldn't do that, or at least explore it. Maybe the numbers don't work out, but I, I, I absolutely, and of course, that's the way my, my brain is trained to think. Bigger, et cetera, promotion or relegation, peers, Champions League, whatever. Um, but I don't see why you wouldn't pursue that to some degree because you really could like, okay, let's say you go the champions league route where like the, each conference sends its top two into like a, a mega major. Um, just think about what that would, that conference would be and how it would stack up very, very closely to, um, well, w- w- in a given year, the worst power conference. Uh, when you're talking about, like, last year, maybe you send, maybe the AAC sends Houston and either Navy or T- uh, Temple. The um, Conference USA sends Western Kentucky and either Southern Miss or, or Louisiana Tech, I guess, Southern Miss. The MAC sends Bowling Green, which was pretty awesome. And, well, unfortunately, Northern Illinois was really banged up at the year. But Bowling Green and Northern Illinois. Mount West sends, strangely, not Boise State, if we're doing it by last year's standings. But still, you get a, re- a strong San Diego State and Air Force. Um, you know, Sunbelt has Arkansas State and Appalachian State. That's a good conference. That's a bunch of top 60 teams right there. And, you know, suddenly you've got weekly content for some sort of ESPN deal or something where these teams play, you know, where there's kind of the, you know, the, the mega mid-major feature every Friday night or something. It just seems like they're, you know, even if it's just a football-only deal, I don't see why you wouldn't pursue that to some degree. That's how you get attention. That's how you get some semblance of ratings. That's how you get TV money. Uh, Lord knows the Conference USA would probably agree to it with what happened with their TV money. So, yeah, I, I think this, not to use a Bill Simmonsism here, but who says no to that? Um, money, probably. But Old I mean, the money contracts. Yeah, no, it's totally worth it. At this point, how, at this point, in this scenario in which the AAC gets pilfered one more time, yeah. if you go to a tailgate with knowledgeable college football fans in Columbus, Ohio, or Clemson, South Carolina, or Gainesville, Florida, and you line up those schools, like like if you just took index cards with the logos, yeah. and you said, I'm going to give you this stack of cards. I want you to put, in the first pile, put the AAC schools. In the second pile, put the, put the Conference USA schools. How many people do you think would get that right? Totally right. Or, right. or with, like with a, and I'll give them like a, they can miss one or two. <laughs> how many people, I'm serious. If you, hell, if you did it right now, how many people would get the CUSA it, with the school, Cincinnati, Houston, all that, I'm saying if I gave you a stack of cards and it had the CUSA and the AAC mixed in there, and hell, the Sun Belt. Sun Belt, I was about to say. Like... You might as well mix the Sun Belt in there. Because honestly, I don't, think, I, I don't think the average college football fan would know that Charlotte, a program that didn't exist, is in the CUSA and not the Sun Belt. I don't think the same, same goes for you know, Old Dominion moving up and going directly to the CUSA. I think that there is no brand equity whatsoever at this point. Right. And I mean, As the, technically, the American could still stay a pretty good conference if they do add, say, Western Kentucky, Marshall, and Southern Miss, or whatever. Um, if you want to. Now, are you adding? Are you adding football teams for football value? Well, yeah, yeah, just overall athletic programs. It would be a drop off if you lose, uh, you know, Houston, Cincinnati, and Memphis, and you replace them with Western Kentucky and Marshall and whoever. Um, but it, what it kind of drop off are you talking about? Well, currently a pretty big drop-off, but, I mean, again... No, like, what kind of drop-off? Are you talking about football quality? Are you talking about revenue? Are you talking oh, about okay. academic standards? Well, yeah, I'm not talking about academic standards. 
Uh, although I, I, that's probably a, a Marshall hint right there, and uh, you know. Well, it's just weird because I don't actually don't know right now what kind of lip service is going to be employed down the line. Right, so we know that, okay, we know that, like, Nebraska made everyone in the, in the world aware that this was an academic move, right, when they went to the Big Ten? Yeah, Remember all that? The AAC does, it won't do that. When you get further down the line, is it going to be a market grab? Because so, someone in the industry asked me this yesterday. They said, who do you think the AAC would go after? And then who do you think, like, the CUSA goes after on that? In my mind, the way I've been trained by the, the administrators and the, and the TV people that have informed this for the last couple of years is that, well, the AAC needs to go out and get North Texas because they sit in the Metroplex. Right. Even though they've been an abysmal program for the past decade, North Texas has more value than Southern Miss or Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, just from, from a market, the market would be a concern, but so would, you know, quality to some degree because you do need ratings. Um, and I think that's where we did see Conference USA screw up. They went more towards market instead of what's going to produce some sort of television that people want to watch. That's not going to ever be a huge factor in Conference USA, but it's more of a factor than – it's clearly a little bit of a factor because nobody is watching Conference USA at all right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, especially – okay. By the way, that's our official quote on all this. <laughs> especially, I guess, if you don't lose Houston. Um, if, if say the Big 12 does decide we just don't have a place for another Texas team, then conference or then AAC could look at that. And you know, you've already got SMU, which I mean, you've already got SMU, so I don't know if you need North Texas. But if you wanted to try to kind of consolidate Texas, then you could add North Texas and UTSA. Um, and I should do a list, not to interrupt, but I should do a list real quick of schools I have heard absolutely nothing about an expansion, and the top two would be SMU and Boise. I've not heard a thing. Yeah, I think Boise. I think Boise's kind of status was proven in the last round. Like the best yep. they could have done was AAC in the last round, and at that point, um, yeah, I mean that was just it. It's same, same deal with the Pac-12. Your options are limited when you're so freaking far out there. Yep. Well, I think it's. Um, it'll be really interesting. It'll be just as interesting to me to see who who auditions and fails as it will be to who doesn't even audition. Yeah, um, and, and that's the feeling I've had coming out of Idaho. Uh, Bill, I'm going to pivot real quick. Uh, let's just get the hell out of, uh, of realignment for a second. I have a bunch of just random things that I've, I've heard, overheard, I've witnessed, I've, I've observed. Um, I think I like Matt Campbell. Um, I think I like the kind of pissed off nature of his team right now. Um, I was impressed with Iowa State as I visited with them very briefly on uh, on Monday. Um, that's a hire that I have paid very little attention to for reasons of it's a Mac coach going to Iowa State. It feels like it feels like he just drove down a dead end. You know, I think we talked about this when he got hired. The guy's an Ohio coach with Ohio ties and Ohio networking, and he's going out to a program that is uh, how do we say this generously? Fiercely problematic. And I still like some of the there's a, there's some fearless gumption going on there at Iowa State, and I came away impressed from the with the with those guys. Yeah, no, I, I like him. A lot. I, I think you know, number one, he's got a really cool background. He's got the Mount Union background. The you know, winning winning when you have no recruiting advantages or scholarships. Um, that's the football he he came up uh, playing and coaching. So that's always kind of a nice layer to have. He really recruited well for for the MAC and at. Toledo, not 
you know, he got overshadowed all of a sudden by Western Michigan, but he was still the second best recruiter in the MAC. Um, and and I mean, I, I think he's got a really nice combination of qual- of of recruiting ability and pure coaching ability, and got a you know a, a not terrible team. I, I well, I was about to say I kind of copped out and put them towards the bottom, still in the Big Twelve Power Rankings, but nobody's seen the Big Twelve Power Rankings because I'm technically not done with the Big Twelve previews. Um, done, but done, I, done. <clears throat> Uh, anyway, they're still projected that, you know, it, with S&P Plus, they're still projected at five wins. I could easily see Matt Campbell figuring out how to get them to a six. And, I mean, getting that program bowling again would be a hell of a statement in his first year. Um, other thing I have for you is that I know that you like Chris Peterson already, but he gave the best, most Bill Connolly huh. answers to the Washington being over. It kind of turned me back around. I was kind of like, God. <laughs> Hey, Coach, uh, you're totally nice. Never had a problem with you. You're great to deal with. Everyone respects you in the industry. I've never heard a bad thing about you. But, by the way, we're all really tired of hearing about how you guys are going to win the Pac-12, um, uh, you know, coming off of beating Southern Miss in the heart of Dallas Bowl. And his basically his response was, I know. That was his response. It was awesome. Um, it, it was, that is, you know, that is the great, so strangely refreshing thing about going out to any kind of Pac-12 event is that they don't have to put on the dumb airs. They don't have to appeal to, the, to this populist base. There's your RNC reference of the day. So they just get to call a spade a spade in a lot of instances, and it, 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 was, it was shocking. And then he was able to talk freely about his team, about the expectations. And I asked him, I was like, is this relative to anything you've experienced at Boise? And he said, well, no, because Boise won stuff, and we haven't yet. I mean, it's just answers you don't expect from, from football coaches, especially in Texas or the SEC. So uh, I thought that was great. Um, I almost got Sonny Dykes to admit that he was just insanely pissed off when they told him they, was, they were moving a game to, to Australia. Um, we'll probably have more on that later. Um, I, one thing I think is, is at this point f- uh, widely known in the industry is that with with – with Sonny Dykes and the situation that's gone on at Cal and the in- inconsistency they've had in leadership at the athletic department, uh, combined with Mac Rhodes, a guy who's interviewed Dykes twice for jobs, uh, going to Baylor, I think Dykes is the number one guy in the clubhouse right now that everyone thinks would go to Baylor at the end of the season. Um, on top of that, one thing that would be very interesting about that is when this emerged a couple of weeks ago, Bill, I think I, you and I talked about this off the air it's hard to sell a coach. You go back to Gene Chizik, speaking of Iowa State, coming in with a losing record to Auburn and how, how much of a, a kind of a prickly sell that was. You don't have to worry about that if you're Baylor. Um, even if Baylor has a winning season or a 500 season or whatever, um, they can sell, well, you know, this is, a, this is a rebuilding process, this is a rebranding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Coach Dykes was in a unique situation, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he's, he's the Texan to fix this. That's yeah. how they'll sell that. They yeah. will, and they will kind of use the same talking points that Auburn used when they had Gene Chizik. So not that I want to go too far down this road, but uh, speaking of Baylor for one second, um, mm-hmm. the Jim Grobe thing was kind of funny because, you know, it very quickly turned into out-of-context uh, single sentences that Twitter, you know, reacted with fire to. Um, mm-hmm. Being in the room... What was your reaction to? Uh, I don't know if you were around for like the second round of Q and A's or whatever. I, you know, I know Feldman got a one on one and whatnot. But um, like what? How, in terms of like just an A B C D F grade, how do you figure Grobe did uh, in his situation? 
Uh, well, so when you go to the Big 12 event, they have the podium thing where people ask the questions with the microphone. So if you're watching on Fox Sports, that's what you, that's what you see. And then later in the day after lunch, they put everyone in the, in the big ballroom up like a job fair. Oh, right, so right, like, right. So, a co- so there's two, the, the quotes were pulled from two different segments. So on the podium, I think you have to understand that the, the tenor of that room was everybody already had blood in their mouth because of right. really the, the back and forth with Bowlesby. That, that was amazing. The tone deaf thing with Mac Rhodes because they added a special press conference at the end of the first day. Baylor like got a little room down the hall in the Omni put up a little Baylor thing, and then they, they did the intro press conference, which, you know, when you intro a, an AD, it's normally done, like, at your, whatever your best campus facility is, and everyone right. claps, and everyone has yeah. school colors on. This was just, it was all so weird. It was like swearing in a president during, like, a disaster movie. You know, it was done in, like, a bunker somewhere, and it is a disaster movie for Baylor. So we all had been kind of beating on Baylor for being stupid and tone deaf for a couple of days. And then Grobe gets up there. And, and the only thing Grobe, now have now looking back after a couple of days, the only thing Grobe failed at in that room was reminding us up front that he had absolutely nothing to do with this. <laughs> Instead, and, I, 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 well, yeah, that's common sense is what you're saying. I know, but he gets up there and immediately wants to engender himself to Baylor and talk about how great Baylor is. He doesn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Schnell and I from, from SI, we were, we're sitting there, like, kind of wondering out loud. We know why he, he is in this situation. And he, he talked about that, that Grant Taft, the former Baylor head coach, he's been on the ethics committee for the National Football Foundation for years, and he's, they're very good friends. Grove has a sterling reputation. And he was just asked. He was asked as a favor to do this. Um, so we know why he's there, but, like, why is he there? You have a completely intact reputation. Yeah. You, you're good. You're, you're out of the game. You won the ACC with Wake freaking Forest. Like, you, you, everyone, everyone, like, your legacy's done. Why are you stepping into this? And so he gets up there, and his statements are very genuine and clipped, and you have to think that based off his experience as a head coach, He's never had to couch a statement. He's never had to provide additional context. He's never been in this situation with the media. He's never had, you know, when he says, I want to I put my arms around these kids and love them up, and I, and I don't think that there's a negative culture at Baylor. So he says those things on the podium, and then later on at the, at the one-on-ones, he says, well, look, I think there's no negative culture now. I think we've got rid of the problems. I think the kids that remained. And then he made a good point that people didn't get to hear. Or people like, like I was, I was with Charlie Strong because I'm, I'm working on a Texas thing. So I'm on the other end of the ballroom and I didn't hear this. But he said, hey, um, you know, the kids that are here and the families of the kids that are here are tired of being, you know, lumped in with situations that they didn't even know about. Even if it was their position coach or their, their offensive coordinator that was involved in covering up some other kid's sexual assault, like, my son didn't know about that. You know, our family didn't know about that. And I, so I get all that. Um, it's just, I, I think, in the longest answer possible to your question, I, I just don't know if there's a way that he could have stood up there and, and really won the day, you know? Because everyone wants him to shit on Baylor. Right. And he's not going to do that. That's not the kind of guy they hired. Yeah, I mean, I think the two, th- the two lines that got him into trouble, first of all, was the completely out-of-context thing about if it ain't broke, don't fix it, um, where people suddenly that hit Twitter without the I'm clearly talking about on-the-field uh, performance context. Uh, but th- when, once that kind of died down, the other thing that got him into trouble was the line about how there's not a negative culture at Baylor. 
Um, no, right. Which he, we, and we, he walked that out, you know. Right. I mean, he, yeah, he was, he was clearly definitively talking to his players. Yes, he was in front of media, but he was talking to his players when he said that. And, of course, if you're, I mean, if you're a head coach trying to make the most out of a really weird, what is going to be a really weird ball, yeah, you're going to use every single opportunity to talk to them. And, and say, this is, this is fine, we're good, we're in good shape, etc. Um, obviously, that's not going to play well in, in, in front of a bunch of people with blood in their mouth. But I, I know exactly why he said what he said. And, and of course, <laughs> the other part of, the, uh, of this is we're talking about football coaches. Football coaches have a certain set of skills. Um, they are not athletic directors. Uh, well, a lot of them become athletic directors. But, um, you know, he's, he's coach, and he's coaching. And that, that everything he said was in the mind of, I know every Baylor player is going to hear this. And so that's, of course, what he said. He was coaching his, this season already uh, and wasn't just trying to go out there and talk about how bad everybody was at Baylor before he got there. The, uh, the best way I heard it put was a friend of, uh, uh, a friend of ours, and I'll, tell you, I'll have to tell you off the air, because he's not a member of the media and he's not in a position to make comments like this. But it's a friend of ours in the industry, and, I, and I, I'm not saying this for anyone to guess, said, Jim Grobe is the pair of glasses that you put on so the bully won't beat you, hit you in the face as hard. <laughs> I think I said that right. And, and, and he is. He's the pair of glasses that Baylor put on so people would stop hitting them as hard. And people because it is, hit them pretty hard. They, they hit him pretty hard, but I, I do think... <laughs> I, I just wish he would have been had a little bit more context when he was up on the dais and, and you know, because yeah. it's a way of hitting everybody, including the national TV audience all at once. Later on, I, I understand what he was trying to say and, and everything. I have nothing against Jim Grove. He's going to be gone. They may probably have a decent season on top yeah, of all of this I mean, as well because it is a Baylor schedule, by the way. Yeah. I mean, what's... The funny thing is we just haven't talked about that for a number of reasons, both good and bad, but like, oh, and by the way, this is a football podcast and buried in all of this is that as strange as it may seem, Kendall Biles is remaining and they're going to run the offense that Baylor runs. Right. I mean, that's obviously there's a psychological side of this season, though. It's just impossible to predict for some certain uh, in some certain way. But all the defections that we've seen, most of them anyway, um, affect the future. This year, they've still got Seth Russell and Shock Linwood and Johnny Jefferson and Katie Cannon and um, uh, Zamora, Zamora and Platt. And, uh, you know, they're still going to be rebuilding on both uh, lines, which could hurt them quite a bit, but they're going to have a good secondary. Uh, they've got good attacking linebackers. They're still, I was probably in the power rankings that you haven't read, going to put them third. Um, and I, you know, if we ever get back to doing that, I might still pick them third. But no, I mean, and they start with Northwestern State and SMU and Rice, and they get Oklahoma State at home, and then they get Iowa State and Kansas. There's a decent chance they're six and zero when they go to Texas. That's what I was about to say. Is yeah, when they when they go into Texas, they may only have one loss. I think Absolutely. honestly, at a worst case scenario, they have one loss. And by the way, they go into Texas. We're talking about two days before Halloween. Yeah. So this is going to be a team that is is statistically good for a long part of this season that people are, and that's gonna that's gonna piss off some people and that's gonna confuse some people but now I will say this in three consecutive weeks at Texas TCU at Oklahoma K-State at home yeah no it all changes once uh once they go to Texas but I mean they could and then they and then they finish with road games at Tech and at West Virginia so I mean they could be bludgeoned to death by the end of this thing 
but they're you know if you're looking for some sort of on-field comeuppance, hi Texas fans, hi. Um, <laughs> that that may not happen well until the end of the year, um, because even with the and and Grove talked about the scholarship attrition and everything. It's it's significant, no doubt, and it, it basically they're on probation right now. But a lot of that isn't going to be felt until next season because the 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 beating that the the, the 2016 signing class took isn't going to affect really affect the starters, you know, for the 2016 season. As we know, that's not how that works. So, um, I I really feel like I need to talk about the Pac-12 in some regard, just because I feel like, well, you know, I was there, and there are things of note, and it's just, it's so classic Pac-12 that, like, they've disappeared this quickly (laughs) from any national conversation. Maybe that's why Larry Scott did it, honestly, but, um... I thought uh, one one note buried in. I thought Mark Helfrich has been incredibly um, like in, in defensive in a positive way of of Don Pelham and, and moving Brady Hoke in and, and told anyone that would listen that you know Don Pelham went out and recruited on behalf of Brady Hoke better than anyone would believe. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I think you know we've talked about Sonny Dykes and Cal. That that North is going to be really interesting to me oh, yeah. in the Pac-12 this year. Um, Oregon State is Oregon State. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, the media vote isn't as... there, So there aren't as many media voters at, for the preseason event at the Pac-12, but also I also don't think there's as many weird kind of, like, fan homers. So when the media voted Stanford to win the win the conference... By the way, apparently that was the first time it's ever happened in the preseason vote. I know. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I think that's also a, a little bit of a rejection of what uh, we talked about with Washington... But, no, I mean, the Stanford-Oregon-Washington thing is, is going to be really, really fun to watch. It's probably not going to play at all on a national level, but, I mean, and just by I, evidence. And while I clearly don't really think Washington State's going to be an amazing team, though, they'll very possibly affect the division race by being good enough to beat at least one of those three teams. So Yeah, um, and, I mean, that's the power of, of the way college football is aligned. And, again, I, I wouldn't be a PAPN if I didn't use the word provincialism every week, but... Uh, like, we're, we're talking about Cal the most, which is probably the worst team in that division because their head coach is the one tied to the Baylor yeah, job. Oregon State's the worst in that division. I actually, I think Cal's really? going uh, to be okay. Oregon State's still ab- absurdly young. I'd be very surprised if Cal's worse than Oregon State. This is why you tune into this podcast. In the wake of actual news, we're going to try and figure out who's worse, Cal or Oregon State. <laughs> no, Cal, I actually... When I actually laid their li- their roster out and, and kind of lined things up a little bit, it wasn't nearly as bad as I expected it to be. The defense, I mean, defense is, is still not going to be a strength by any means, but I don't actually think the offense is going to fall off as much as I originally thought. Getting Davis Webb, I think, helps a lot. That kind of eases the transition out, out from Jared Goff um, and gives whatever youngster they maybe were thinking about uh, starting, gives him a little more time. Um, no, I, I think they've shored up their offensive note. They're going to be worse than last year, but they, they'll still have a chance at a bowl, I think. Um, for what it's worth, and I've only been to this event twice, the UCLA contingent, or maybe three, three times, I can't remember, uh, the UCLA attention was stronger than the USC attention, and the, the event's always in Los Angeles, so I found that to be very interesting. Um, Jim Mora is the, is the soundbite king now. You know, there were... There were times in which Sark and USC, and, and the because it was another Carol Tree guy that like they could outshine Jim Moore, but the, but Helton is just not that guy. Like they have a football coach 
who looks and acts like a football coach. And so the the one with the veneer on him is, is Jim Moore in UCLA. So that was a very interesting. Um, I think more people are interested in that program right now until USC starts winning, you know. It'll, it'll shift back, no doubt. USC just has a better hold in the city. But I thought that was interesting. Um, the South, far, far less interesting than the North. Um, but it does all run through Los Angeles. So, you know. It's just weird. You, you get into situations where the Pac-12 can't avoid talking about things that aren't really football-related, like is, is Los Angeles going to be as interested in, you know, or if there's a, a great dynamic USC-UCLA race in the, Southern, in, in the South Division in the next maybe year or two or three, how does the NFL affect that? Like these are the questions and the conversations people were having, and that's just that's so foreign to every other culture in, in, in college football. Um, whew, Bill. Um, I have like three minutes. Is there anything we have to get to this week before we come back and do a normal longer episode? Um, Where are you in the previews? Uh, deep, deep into the Big Ten. We should probably talk Big Ten next week. Well, wait, is, yeah, Big Ten media days are next week anyway, so that's... Yep, that'll uh, be perfect. That'll be perfect because, uh, yeah, I've got, you know, we're to the point of the year where, like, the, the comment section on my pieces suddenly start to explode a little bit. They're like hundreds for Nebraska and Iowa and whatnot. So um, lots to talk about there, and we'll, we'll, we'll couch that till next week, I think. Worst comment section so far. Most headache-inducing comment section so far on a single team preview. Washington State. What did Wazoo do? Oh, wait, I saw, I, 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 I saw you complaining about this. What yeah. happened? They have been relentless. Like, I'm sorry my stats don't like you. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, so, so just hashtag bias. Well, right, and just the stats don't understand Mike Leach is what it came down to. And, uh, you okay, know, well, I you know, I, I also I did a Facebook Live with Mike Leach. I don't know if Mike Leach understands Mike Leach. You know, I just, it, it's, it, it's been kind of maddening because there's no evidence that, you know, there's like high tempo, low tempo. There's no evidence that the, my, that my numbers favor or, or, or are against certain styles of play. And the, t- the year before, the year before uh, last season, I, when I was writing last year's preview for Washington State, I basically said, you know, this was top 60 or 70 team that was crazy unlucky, finished three and nine, could have been a lot better. They'll probably be better this year. Last year, mm-hmm. they were top 60 or 70 team that was crazy lucky. Uh, finish nine and three like average those out you know if you if you're finishing in the 60s in the pac 12 you're probably going about six and six average out they finished about six and six each year it's just that it's skewed one way or the other um but anyway no it's i i got like i I think the streak finally ended but i got either a tweet or an email every single day from a washington state fan either yelling but mostly just trying to explain why they think my numbers are are biased against the sort of team the washington state is and well, you know what? Just aren't. I'm happy to see that kind of passion because, first, as much as as much as we talk about the anemia of interest in in the Pac-12, I think that uh, Wazoo's got some some dumb SEC blood in them, and I mean that in the sweetest way possible. Yeah, no, that's that's the worst part of it too. Is it's a, it's Washington State. I always root for Washington State, uh, but you know, and 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 I usually speak highly of them and. and I'm really happy for their fans because they had to deal with some miserable football for a few years. And now they're well, while we're complaining, I mean, while we're complaining about the people who essentially let us have our jobs, I wrote that the Mac Rhodes hire was specifically so they could try and angle for the best coach possible and had absolutely nothing to do with revamping the culture. I got crap from Missouri fans. 
I got crap from Houston fans. Now, Houston, nobody has put your program in a better light than me. And I'm talking about compared to anybody in college football, period, anyone in the media. I've been on that ass for two years. Dude, I flew to Houston when Tony Levine was the head coach to talk about turnovers, okay? <laughs> so don't bring that in here. And then, of course, Baylor fans are pissed, but whatever. You know, the day of the week. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a Missouri fan, I am a little, uh, you know, baffled by the, the general media reaction of, of they hired Mac Rhodes. Home run, great hire, spectacular hire. Like, uh, yeah, I don't think know that's... about Mac Rhodes after a year in Missouri is that he'll stick to 80 speak no matter what at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and when things get awkward, he will disappear for a month. Um, okay. Maybe things work out great for him at Baylor, but those two little pieces of data uh, don't tell me it's a slam dunk or a spectacular hire. And we'll just have to wait. I've been to Waco. Not a lot of places to hide on the Brazos. It's pretty wide open and empty. Um, Bill, I have to run. Like I said, we're going to um, adjudicate and not do uh, – I got – by the way, four or five – it wasn't for a lack of submissions. Four or five really strong submissions in the wake of, of us talking about points differ, uh, differential last week on blind box score. So I may come back with a double um, because there were two that were kind of connected to one another, apropos of the, the, the people who sent them in. Um, we'll come back with a little bit more normal structure, but we had news this week and we didn't know what to do with it, and it was hard to digest. It upset our systems. Um, and also, I'm living in a series of Hampton Inns, so uh, things are <laughs> a little weird week, right now. We will be double hoteling it next week, so God only knows how that's going to sound. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Um, okay. Well, that sounds horrifying, so uh, look out for that. But uh, we'll have much more content. Sorry we're shorter this week, and I'm going to go look for a laundromat in Texas when I'm done with my interviews today. Yeah.